So it's been a few weeks since I've preached. Uh, we just welcomed our new child into the room, or into the room, into the world. Uh, right off the bat, I want to tell you I'm a little sleep deprived. Uh, I might misspeak a couple times this morning, uh, so just, just as a heads up on that. Uh, but John and Molly and the girls, uh, they're all doing great. Uh, we're grateful for the guest preachers uh, who've been speaking during this time. Um, yeah, so thank you. It's, it's good to be back. Let us pray. Father in heaven, uh, we give you praise and glory for revealing yourself to us through your son, Jesus Christ, for adopting us into your household as your sons and daughters. So Jesus, as we celebrate your light spreading forth across the world this morning, may you illumine our hearts afresh today. May we be warmed by your presence. It's in your name that we pray these things. Amen. So like I said, we're in the season of Epiphany. The Christmas tree is removed. We've got lots of candles. We installed new lanterns just for Epiphany. Isn't that great? Uh, I will admit the previous ones, the groovy ones, were kind of growing on me. Uh, last week, my mom watched the live stream. You're telling Mimi this right now, aren't you? Yeah. Last week, my mom watched the live stream. She was like, you know, those are really growing on me. I really like those. I said, well, mom, they're, they're coming down. So, um, but I, I like them. I like, well, never mind. Uh, we're going to hear about the word of, of God this morning, not what... <laughs> Not what Rick thinks about lanterns. Um, so anyway, we're in the season of Epiphany. Uh, we're coming off of the season of Advent. And in Advent, we take an honest look at the brokenness of the world. We, we sit with the prophets of old, as you've heard me say time and time and again, longing for justice and wholeness and peace. And then Christmas is that great celebration of, of the heavens tearing open, of Jesus Christ walking into our world, arriving here. And then Epiphany, we recognize that the living God is at work among us, here and now. The light of his kingdom began there in Israel, but then spreads from Judea into Samaria and to the ends of the earth, north, south, east, and west, even far away, cold, cold, cold places like Minnesota. The light of Christ's gospel shines forth even here. So today, there's a lot that's going on in our service. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, we use the Kenyan liturgy as a, as a way to uh, stand alongside our brothers and sisters across uh, the world. We've got baptisms coming up in a few moments. And then also, uh, what we like to do on this Sunday is give you liturgy to bless your homes as the priesthood of all believers, as uh, homes are the little churches, as the church fathers would tell us. Uh, we would like to commission you to bless your homes for this new year, and I'll speak a little bit bit more about that during our announcements. But God is at work across the globe, in our homes, in our community. He is at work here and now. So our scripture, reader, our scripture readings this morning from Luke's gospel places us again at the banks of the Jordan River. And John the Baptist comes up a lot in Advent. Uh, some people name their children after John the Baptist uh, when they're born in Advent, uh, which is why this story might sound a little bit familiar to you. Uh, we actually read this same exact passage several weeks ago, omitting the verses of Jesus being baptized, obviously. But John is preaching out in the wilderness. People have been coming all over from Israel. They've been leaving uh, big cities and little villages and making pilgrimages to go to the wilderness to listen to uh, John, John the Baptist. Huge crowds are gathering. Not just to listen to a good preacher, uh, but because they want to do business with God. There is a restlessness that has been among the Jewish people 
for hundreds of years and now coming to a great climax because there's whispers that the Messiah, that it's time now, that the Messiah is coming. There's rumors that he's here. John is actually preparing, saying the Messiah is just around the corner. Get ready. So there's, let's step into this passage. There's a couple things that I do want to highlight from this story. So it begins there in verse 15. The people are coming in expectation. It's just a great word, isn't it? Expectation. You know what expectation means in the original Greek? It means expectation. Uh, That's what it means. And what does it mean to expect something? It means that you have like an agreement or a promise uh, that's been made, but it has not yet come to its fruition. It has not yet been completed. So if you go to Starbucks and you give them $4 or uh, however many dollars a, a latte costs, you, you would expect a good cup of coffee to come your way. Or if you exchange vows with the person that you love, you expect them to fulfill those vows until you are separated by death. Well, God has made a promise to the Jewish people. He has made a promise to them that has not yet come to its full completion. In fact, we read words of this promise in our reading from Isaiah. If you flip back, I I think it's on the facing page in your bulletin. There in verse 1, God says, I will send you my servant. I'll put my spirit upon him, and he will bring justice to the nations. And if we jump down to verse 6, God says, I will take you by the hand. Can you imagine being held by the hand by God himself? He says, I will keep you, and you will be a light to the nations. I will open the eyes of the blind. I will bring out prisoners from the dungeon. You can see why this is a great epiphany, uh, epiphany uh, passage. And so the people now, these Jewish people, are, they're remembering these verses. They knew these scriptures from Isaiah better than we do. They, these are ringing in their ears, and they're thinking, we are not a light to the nations. If anything, we're prisoners here in our own country. They're, the people are experiencing a crisis on multiple levels at this point in time. They're experiencing a national crisis. When any wealth that they're able to scrounge up by their own hard work, any, any wealth, any, any money that they come by gets squeezed out of them by the Roman oppressors. And so the Jewish people have fallen into poverty. They've, they've fallen into sickness that they can't recover from. They've, they've fallen into hunger. They're ruled by this psycho, this tyrannical psycho Herod, who's bent on nothing other than indulging his own self-serving passions. But not only are the people suffering from a a national crisis, they're experiencing personal crises as well. And John goes after this. Uh, We didn't read it in this passage. We we read it several times in Advent. But John goes and speaks to the personal crises that people are facing in their own hearts. He says, if you want change, it needs to begin with you first in your own life. He says, stop being greedy. If you have two coats, give one away. He tells those in power, that is the tax collectors and and soldiers, Roman soldiers, he says, stop abusing your power. Collect only the amount of money that you're required to. Stop building up your own kingdom and, and live for the sake of others around you. So John names the decay that is spreading around the people, uh, within people's hearts. And you know what the remarkable thing is by the words of John? The people are resonating with it. The people love this. As the scriptures tell us, crowds, massive crowds were coming to listen to John. They see the brokenness of their world. They see the brokenness in their own hearts. And they know that they themselves lack the power to do anything about it. They need someone from outside of them to rescue them out of this. And so as a way to prepare the way, as a way to um, repent of their sins, is they come to the waters of baptism. 
Now, this is normal to us. We're used to hearing about John the Baptist and people getting baptized in the Jordan River. But keep in mind, this was super weird when it was happening. John was the, the only one who would call Jews to be baptized. You see, in that day, if, if you were a Gentile, that is, if you were someone who was not of the Jewish faith, and you either encountered some Jews or you wanted to worship the Jewish God, which, which Ben uh, preached about last week quite a bit in The Wise Men, if you wanted to come and participate in the Jewish um, faith, then you would have to be baptized. It was, it was a ritual of um, being cleansed. It was a purification ritual. And so when John tells Jews to be baptized, well, that's just shocking. It's scandalous. It's, it's basically telling them you are so unholy and unrighteous and wicked that you are outside of the Jewish people and you have to be baptized to come back into it. This was unheard of. It was crazy. It was offensive. But this indicates to us just how desperate the people of, the people of God were. So it's not just that they were expectant, they were desperate for God to move. So these past two years has been a wilderness experience, hasn't it? Haven't we all been in some kind of crazy wilderness for the last couple of years? You might not be on some long pilgrimage out to a literal desert, but we've all been plunged into a crisis of some sort. The crisis has revealed the brokenness of our nation, the brokenness of our globe, the brokenness within our own hearts. So we're all in this unfamiliar territory of a wilderness asking these deep questions of our loved ones, of, of God himself. So I don't know what brought you here this morning. I don't know why you stepped into our doors. But I would suspect that there's hunger within each one of you. That there's something that's inside. There's something that's, that wants to see the, the fullness of God, the fullness of his promises answered even today here in this epiphany season. You might call yourself expectant. You might call yourself desperate to hear from God, to see him show up. So my question is, what are you carrying into the wilderness? What is it that you are bringing into this place of asking questions? Maybe it is anxiety about our nation. Maybe it's anxiety about our climate. Maybe it's guilt from the way in which you've treated others or spoken to those who you love. Maybe it's unfulfilled dreams of your youth that haunt you into your older age. Dreams that are, are unfulfilled and sort of mark you with shame and self-doubt. Maybe it's a sense of hopelessness and, des and a desire to see God move afresh in your life. What is it that you carry into the wilderness? What happens in this scene is remarkable. It's when Jesus shows up. Jesus is there. Jesus comes. Jesus stands in the wilderness among all these sinners. He stands among all of these brokenhearted. Jesus is here. Jesus is the word of God who spoke order into chaos of creation. By his voice, land was separated from the sea. Light came from darkness. Life came from dirt. He is the word made flesh, the child of Mary who we sung about a couple of weeks ago. He is God with us, Emmanuel, son of David and son of man. And it's this God-man who comes to the wilderness, stands among the sinners, the hungry, the tired. He stands among the broken. And this isn't a unique moment in the life of Jesus. If you're familiar with the scriptures, you know that this is actually a hallmark, a hallmark of what he does. This isn't a rare occasion. All throughout the Gospels, he, he aligns himself. He stands with the broken and the wounded. He heals them in the marketplaces. He joins them in their home for dinner. Think of that as you're blessing your homes this week. He listens to their questions as he stops for water, which we have engraved on a wonderful wood carving uh, back in the narthex there. He fights for them in the graveyard. He feeds them on the lakeside beach. 
Jesus loves to stand with the broken. So as he comes to John the Baptist, we have to kind of realize the scandal of Jesus himself being baptized. That is crazy. It's weird. If it was any scandalous for a normal Jewish person to submit to the waters of baptism, how much more scandalous is it for the Son of God to submit to the waters of baptism? What in the world does Jesus have to be cleansed of or be purified from? Now, Luke's gospel is kind of funny. I, I think Luke's gospel, he's, he's rushing to uh, the voice of God coming from heaven, uh, which is why he just kind of says, oh yeah, and Jesus was baptized. In Matthew's gospel, we hear John actually arguing with Jesus. Do you remember that? He says, you know, why should I baptize you? You should be baptizing me. But Jesus is insistent. He says, I must be baptized. So not only does Jesus stand with us in the wilderness, he actually enters into our journey. He enters into our story. He submits himself to the same things that he's asking us to be submitted to. You see, he wants to accompany you at every moment of your story. He wants to be near to you. So this event, this pleases God. When Jesus is baptized, the heavens are torn open. This is a direct fulfillment of the prophecy from Isaiah. The Spirit of God pours out of heaven and falls upon Jesus Christ. And the writers, you can kind of tell, the writers of our Gospels are kind of fumbling for words. They're like, it, it, it was tangible. It, the Spirit came in bodily form. It was, it was kind of like a dove. You know, it kind of gives me this image of, of this glorious light falling from heaven, sort of untethered by gravity, just sort of floating down and, and anointing Jesus Christ. How beautiful, how amazing would that have been to see? How startling would it have been? And then along with this sacred anointing of Jesus, we hear the voice of God. The voice of God actually speaks out from the heavens. It says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Time and time again, Jesus stands with the broken. So a friend of mine, uh, Alex Wilgus, he's an Anglican priest. I think he, I think he took a church down in uh, Texas now. Uh, but he, he points out that historically, uh, traditionally, the church, as they've read this story of Jesus being baptized in the water, uh, Jesus himself is sort of baptizing the waters. Jesus is purifying the waters. He's going into the waters before us, making the waters clean, anointing them, declaring them holy. And so Jesus himself is baptizing the very waters that would then go on to baptize his church. The presence of Jesus is in this water. In other words, Jesus purifies the waters, he makes it holy, and he gives these waters their soul-cleansing power. Jesus shows us what happens at baptism for all Christians. That's what we see in this story. So if you have been baptized, then you have, have received the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon you. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God is actually in you and moving in you and giving you gifts and convicting you of sin and forming you more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. If you've been baptized, then you have heard God's voice, maybe not literally, but at least within the, the voice of the congregation being echoed to you, the, the voice of, of the Lord expressing his love, his delight over you, that you are an adopted child of God. God is not some ethereal, nebulous, sort of floating force that's out there that motivates you to do polite things for people. No, God is the God who forgives sin. He is one who anoints you for mission. 
He is the one who walks with you in the wilderness. He is the one who declares his love for you time and time again. This is the meaning of baptism for you, beloved. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, you all delivered the message. We opened up the microphone and people could come up and share stories of ways in which the Lord has been moving in your life over this past year. It was a beautiful time. As Molly said, it's her favorite sermon that she hears of the entire year. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a wonderful time. And many of you came up and you shared stories about battles that you've been waging over this last year against cancer, against mental illness, against loneliness. And time and time again, you shared stories of how in those wilderness experiences, the presence of God showed up. He made himself known to you. Maybe it was through a, a, a word in the scriptures, or maybe it was through uh, an encouraging voice that you heard here in church. But you have bear, borne witness to the presence of Christ among us. One person shared that he was on the brink of losing his faith. And then he came, and it was within this fellowship that his faith was, was rekindled. It, it, it grew a light again, as we would say in uh, Epiphany language. So we are in the wilderness, yes, and baptism and, and being a Christian doesn't mean that you're not going to suffer and, and things like that. But what we do know and what, the Holy, and what the Holy Scriptures promise to us is that God will be at work in our hearts here and now. So may we be expectant of him. May we know. Oh, and So if you are here today and you want that, you want that taste of God, you want to experience the Lord in your life Maybe you've been far away from him for a long time. Maybe you've, you haven't ever identified as a Christian. If you want to be a part of that, let me know. Let someone here know. Let us know. Anyone who's um, been a, a participant in the, in the worship service today, like, let us know. Maybe you would let us know simply by filling out a connection card that's in the pew rack in front of you and dropping that in the welcome table or the offering baskets that go by. Maybe you'll let us know by uh, telling the prayer ministers after we celebrate communion with one another. Or maybe you just shoot me an email. But we would love to talk about ways in which we can look for God moving in your life and how you might um, increase your faith and your hope and your love and your joy for the Lord Jesus Christ. I would love to introduce you to the God who works among us. So like I said, may we be expectant of the Lord Jesus at work even today here in our midst. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, you have walked among us. You take us by the hand. You speak to us. Lord, thank you for submitting yourself to the waters of baptism and, and anointing those waters, preparing those waters for us so that we might be purified and that we might be uh, acceptable before you. Thank you, Lord, for growing your household. Lord, we pray for those who are going to be coming forward uh, to, walk to the waters of baptism today. Lord, move in their midst, Lord. We love you and it's in your name that we pray all of these things. Amen.